Hello, and welcome to another installment of The Partial Historians. I am The Redness. I am Dr. Greenfield. Welcome! Hello, Dr. Greenfield. Dr. G, as I like to call you. Are you ready to trace the history of Rome from the founding of the city by my side? (laughs) (laughs) Boy, am I ever. Excellent news. So... Quick recap, where we were up to last time. Where even are we? (laughs) I believe, uh, apart from our little blip where we talked about Livia, that we have been talking about the Fabii, the fabulous Fabii. We have been deep in Fabian territory for a while now. They've dominated the consulship for years at this point. Yeah, yeah. They are patricians extraordinaire. (laughs) So they have, at this point in our narrative absconded from the city but for the very legitimate purposes <laughs> they have basically got together their whole family clan which we're including like clients and all that kind of stuff in there and they have taken themselves off to defend the city against the evil evil they <laughs> yeah they've gone and built a whole fortress yeah right near they yeah and they're like we're going to defend the frontier Rome's finally realised that they have frontiers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and they are. Um, they, if, if you look at it on a map, is actually not that far from the city of Rome. No, we're talking small beans. <laughs> yeah, but, but in in the grand narrative of this time, it would seem like a million miles away. <laughs> You've got to march there. It's a real hassle. Yeah, and our sources make it out to be like this uber battle that's happening between <laughs> Vey and Rome. <laughs> Which, to be fair, for the time, it does seem to have been the big rival in the area. It's pretty big. Yeah. Rome only has a couple of allies at this point. Yes. Um, they've brought in, what, the Latins and... The Venusiae? I think so. Yeah. I, I, to be honest, it's been a long time since we have actually talked about the allies. Yeah, but they've, so. they've only got a couple of allies. And they're all coming from this reasonably, like, uh, Latium area and slightly to the south. Yeah. And Vey is sitting slightly to the north. Yeah. And Rome seems to have now realised that Vey is just the touch point for a much broader northern conglomerate of peoples yeah because i mean oh god a long time ago now but when we've talked about you know rome under the kings and that sort of thing we have talked about these people um who seem to have well we're not really sure exactly what happened but it's possible that rome was dominated for a while by people from the north like the etrurians oh yeah Yeah, uh, and that's why they had these kings that were not native romans yeah and we can see in some of the naming conventions of what become patrician roman families that they're coming from etruscan or oscan language dialects yes, so yes. it's not like rome is like this pristine no. ethnic group no italy is all. definitely a full of native peoples <laughs> all with their own cultural backgrounds and so that's kind of what rome is squaring off against at this point in time with they that's what they're fighting for and Dobbins. boy are they squaring off yeah exactly yeah so it was quite positive last time for me anyway Livy was fangirling all over the Fabii <laughs> saying Hello. That. yeah because um as much as we sort of cringe a little bit when we hear about the idea of a private army you know an army that this this fabulously wealthy family is able to fund themselves we are full of suspicion yeah we are full of suspicion but for the romans this is the kind of stuff they expect their wealthy citizens to do because you know they like they can afford it they can do this kind of stuff yeah Yeah. this is how social structures operate in rome and this is how you develop your prestige as a leaning family yes being like we have so much wealth that we can actually abscond our whole family clan our whole gens and take them north and look after the border for you it's something my students always really struggle with they're like so wait they want to be politicians but they don't get paid i'm like yes yeah yeah." why would you do that (laughs) 
prestige. <laughs> power, my friends. Power, Pure exactly. Yeah. Power. Yeah. Octoritas. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so that's kind of where I was up to with Livy last time, him just going, oh my God, they're so amazing. <laughs> yeah, Dionysius is probably like less amazed. Yeah. Um, but uh, boy, does he give me wealths of detail. Um, uh, as per usual, <laughs> as per usual, I feel in a safe little bubble when Dionysius is giving you lots of details. I'm looking forward to when the tables turn. <laughs> I'd be like, look, I've only got a paragraph for this. You'd be like, five books later. <laughs> we shall see. Give it time, Dr. G. Give it time. All right. So, where are you up to date wise in your narrative? All right, so we're round about, we're just about to begin the year 477 Mm. BCE. So you say. So So I say, say. (laughs) yes. Uh, We are definitely in the 470s. Yeah, we're somewhere in there. So again, we're always talking about dating. It is all a little bit over the place. So Dionysius, for instance, connects the consulships of this year to the 76 Olympiad. Um, and Always this... a handy dating mechanism. <laughs> well, you know, for his Greek audience. Yeah, and they're exactly. like, oh, that year. Yeah. <laughs> I remember the one where Scamander of Mussolini so, won the foot race. Four plus four plus four. Plus four plus four plus four plus four. <laughs> and if it times it by four. Yeah. <laughs> okay, it's around about 475 BC. Wait a second, that's an odd number. <laughs> Don't ask me how they managed yeah. it. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we're in, we're definitely in the mid four seventies, and uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So our consuls for this year, Gaius Horatius Pulvilus. Wow. Yeah, mm. Pulvilus means small cushion. Which I think is what a great name. I really thought you were going somewhere after that for a second. <laughs> <laughs> I was a bit worried. I was about to shield the mic. <laughs> no, no. Small cushion. Small cushion. Oh. Interesting. I, I wonder if it means he's got like a nice little belly that's good for hugs. Or a bubble butt. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I like it, either way. <laughs> and his companion in the consulship, Titus Meninius Lanatus, mm, which yeah. may sound familiar. I was going to say, isn't there, there, I believe when we were talking about the first secession, wasn't there an Agrippa Meninius or Meninius Agrippa or something like yeah, that? And yeah. He, yeah, so this guy is the son of Agrippa Meninius. Right, yeah. Um, and his father's famous for, in that first secession, giving the speech where he compares the Roman the state pe- to the body. Yeah, yeah, the patricians to the stomach and yeah. the plebs to all of the limbs. Yeah. And the limbs can't function without the stomach. <laughs> but you all need to do all the work to feed the stomach. Yes. I hope the, the parable is clear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, and now his son has risen to the consulship. Yes. Yay, yes. Titus. Yeah, yeah, cool. Keeping in the family. And Horatius, you say. So yes. that would be perhaps a relative of the mythic, semi-mythical Horatius. Well, maybe. maybe. I'm not sure about that one. Yeah. That's that's not something I've managed to nail down. No, I, mean, I don't think we could probably prove it either way, could we? I mean, it's just a... But certainly from the same gens. Yeah, it's interesting to note the family names. Mm. Now, that, as I say, now that we are actually getting somewhere <laughs> in terms of the Republic... We can start to see patterns of we families. Can actually, exactly, we can actually see names <laughs> repeating themselves. Yeah. Okay, cool. I'm with you. I'm with you. So what does Dionysius say is happening in uh, in the Fabian world at this point in time? Well, guess what? It's all about public land. Oh, yeah. really? Right at, at the beginning of the year. Get yeah. All right. Tell me what's happening. The new consuls, <laughs> they want to get their armies together because we know that there's some trouble on the frontier with Vey. Sure. So sure. they're interested in getting on with that, but they can't. In the beginning, because of the continuing issue of the plebeians arguing for the redistribution of public land. Yeah, definitely. This has been going on for about 20 years now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 
Or longer. <laughs> <laughs> or even longer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so there is that issue, which is sort of at the forefront at the start of the year, but it quickly turns out that the threat from the north, from the Tyrrhenians, yes. this sort of motley group that includes Vey, yes. um, propels the armies to get their, their act together, essentially. Okay. yeah. Because, I mean, Livy definitely has... Um, see, I think that my, my narrative, I think, is in a slightly different order to yours. So... Um, yeah, I'm not sure exactly. I think my events are happening in a slightly different order to yours. Um, but when Livy is talking about the year of those particular consuls, um, he does mention that, be, I guess, because of all the, the problems that they're facing, because it's not just they, according to Livy, that they're you know, having issues with at that time. Um, it's also like the Volsci and that sort of thing. Um, that The city itself is, is um, definitely suffering from a want of resources yeah, yeah so there's like some scarcity scarcity issues happening i'm presuming that means with food <laughs> yes the yeah. old green supply yeah, issue exactly yeah. yeah so we have some particular concerns so like at the end of the previous year yeah um the venetians have made uh, a truce yes of sorts and they've been sort of pushed to this point now that there's this fortress at Primera, yes. and they're sort of feeling under the pump and they're sort of like peace let's have some peace their camp got raided and all of that sort of stuff it was pretty bad yeah the Romans went glamping <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they're like "Ooh, guys you have some nice camps um so the Venetians have sort of made this truce but yeah. they're feeling a lot of pressure now it would seem from the northern Tyrrhenian peoples yeah and they're like what are you doing I you think... need to break this truce yeah and I think that's why they flip-flop <laughs> they they take it back. <laughs> yeah, so it doesn't take very long for this sort of flip flopping to happen. For Rome to become aware of it, being like, "Oh wait, we've got this. Uh, we thought we had a truce here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we've yeah. got this trouble with the Volsci arising again yes. in the southeast. Yes, yes. Now we're going to have to fight a war on two fronts. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Which I think would be definitely pushing them to the brink at this point in time, given how you know. It's just nonstop warfare, really, with them. And if it's not outside the city, it's inside the city with their own people. So, yeah. Yes. It's no surprise that at some point people are like, huh, green. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, guys? I'm hungry. Yeah. Who planted the seeds? Yeah, who's, who's, who's been farming? <laughs> I haven't had time to farm. Have you had time yeah. to farm? <laughs> exactly. I've been busy in the army. And this has kind of always been the plebeian point. <laughs> Mm. that they need time to do these things if people want to eat. Yeah, so yeah. this this leads to a whole bunch of issues and it seems, for, as far as Dionysius is concerned, sure. like the grain comes later. Okay. Um, and the main issue that he raises is that while Menenius is getting his army together to go north, because yes, yes. Horatius is going to take his army to the south to deal with the Volsci, sure. yeah. uh, because the Veientians have flip-flopped yes. on the old truce the fortress at Crimera has been destroyed before the Roman army is able to get there to support the Fabians ah and ha- now we come to the great tragedy of our episode listeners the fall of the fabulous Fabii <laughs> fabulous no longer no no this is a pretty uh important event in early Roman history like we talked before about how it can be a bit wishy-washy sometimes because you know, it's the records are a little scarce and we can't always be 100% certain about dating and whether this stuff actually happened or happens the way our sources say because they're writing so much later. 
But this does seem to be something that I feel certain something happened <laughs> with this family. This is a disaster on an epic it scale. Is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is a. Uh, Again's almost being completely wiped out yeah. as far as our source material. Yeah, is and this concerned. is this is this is why you don't put all your eggs in one basket. <laughs> you put all your little Fabians in a wicker basket and go la 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 <laughs> out into the Bayesian territory, and then they all get wiped out. Well, then there's no more Fabians. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so this is a huge problem. Rome has only just discovered fortresses, but they clearly don't know how to do them yet, <laughs> and the Fabians really pay the price. Well, see, okay, Livy, Livy does, I think, try to excuse what happened a little bit. Because, you know, he has been building the Fabii you know, up to be, you know, like, oh my god, they're so amazing that they actually, like, you know, put their money where their mouth is, and they paid for this world. And, like, and then they died! They, like, left Rome. <laughs> they left Rome, guys. Absolutely. They went out, like, all their clients. Oh my god. He's been talking like this for a while <laughs> about the Fabians. Um, and the way he's been building up in his narrative is he's been trying to say that They've been getting overconfident, and we always know in classical stories of any kind, myth or history, that being overconfident, you know, committing the sin of hubris, is always a bad sign, and somehow you're going to be brought down to earth, crashing. <laughs> um, and so, in Livy's account, um, the Fabii are having sort of skirmish-type encounters with the people of um, Veii, and with each one, they're getting more and more confident in their own abilities um and so the Vaetians are noticing this like at first they were a bit embarrassed because you know <laughs> they seem to be losing but then they notice that the Fabii are getting more and more confident and so they hatch an evil plan <laughs> so basically they um their troops pretend to be scared so whenever they, whenever like they're out, you know, out and about doing what troops do, marching around, and they see the Fabii, they go ah! and you know hide behind bushes and that kind of stuff. And the Fabii are like, yeah, that's right, you better run. <laughs> we are such mighty men. <laughs> Look at how they run from us. Yeah, exactly. They also um, start because while the Fabii are out and about, they're also probably raiding. So they're on the lookout for things that they can obviously take back, things like cattle, you know. And so the people of um, Avey start to deliberately put cattle in their way. Ooh. Yeah, so the, so the Romans are How like, deceptive. I know. The Romans are like, mmm, beef. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I am hungry and the corn supply has not come through. Yeah, exactly. So it's by accident, and I'm using my flesh rabbits, which is super appropriate for a podcast. <laughs> yeah, and so... Basically, the Fabii start to feel completely invincible. And this is, of course, where Livy... Oh, this is a huge setup. The boom. Is that the same kind of setup that Dionysius has in his... Relatively. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he gives a couple of accounts. Um, Dionysius has a historiographical moment. Okay. Where he's like, I'm going to tell you the less plausible account that I've come across, Ooh. and then what I think is the most plausible account. Interesting, okay. And the less plausible one is all about bad omens, inappropriate sacrifices, Ooh. the Fabii not sending enough people to Rome to conduct the appropriate familial sacrifices. Oh, I was about to say, surely Rome should be sending people to the Fabii. No. <laughs> the Fabii are supposed to be sending a delegation back to Rome to complete their sacred duty ah. in the city. 
and yeah, yeah. and apparently they haven't done that well enough mm. and because all of them are in the fortress so nobody's gone back and this means that in the eyes of the gods they're obviously going to fail. That's actually kind of interesting that you bring that up. And I mean, you would know more about this than I would in terms of your religious background. As in, that's what she studies, not like she is a pagan. <laughs> but, um, Although that would be cool. I presume that would be partly, um, as you say, familial things relating to worship of maybe deities of their household or something like that. But is that also because at this point in time, we are still looking at a situation where the elite of Rome are also like they're not just the political elite they're also probably the religious elite yeah so it's a bit of a combination of both I yeah, think. yeah yeah like the these things are very blurred um yes. we see that they're blurred later in the history but exactly yeah. we know even less about how they are sort of situated in the early period of so course, I think they're yeah, even yeah, more yeah. blurred perhaps. yeah 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 um but you've got for Romans it seems in many cases that deities are tied really specifically to location Right. So if you have a family god or a legacy of looking after a particular cult as a patrician family, you've got to go to the god. The god's not coming to you. Yeah. It's not going to be enough to like get down and do the sacrifice. Have God. Won't travel. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I'll do some things, but I won't do that. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I'll do everything. Yeah. But I won't do that. So, you know, those sorts of moments where the god's like, I'm in Rome. Yeah. And if you want anything from me, you're going to have to come. Yeah. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, cool, cool. And so, but Dionysius sort of writes this off as probably being the less probable of the two accounts. Yeah. He doesn't think it's so tied up in the gods so much as he thinks it's tied up in the Venetians' tactics, which are similar to the ones that you've just described. I wonder if that's because... Sorry, I'm, I'm going off a tangent again. Dr. G is valiantly trying to press ahead with her narrative, and here I am wondering about religious issues. Do you think... Is that because, even though I know we've talked about how, you know, all of the Fabians, as in, you know, the family members, the clients, they're all out there, but do you think that they would have left behind children and women from their family in the city and and that potentially, like, male children could help them to carry out... Yeah, well, and and this is one of the reasons that that Dionysius has for dismissing some of these claims. Because the other part of this story is that the Fabii are completely wiped out in this event. He's like, (laughs) (laughs) but that's just not, it can't be true because we have later Fabii. Yeah, well, see, really interestingly, sorry, again, tangent. (laughs) Um, I was looking into some of the other sources around this particular um, event of the Fabii being wiped out. And the first native Roman historian is called Fabius Picta. So interesting. <laughs> Could we have a Fabian legacy? <laughs> well, and this is the thing, like they, um, you know, um, I, I've, I think I mentioned on the website, I've been looking at this collection of sources um, by Jacqueline Neal, and she mentions that this is possibly you know, a bit of sort of family law that's been incorporated into the official city history um, for obvious purposes to make out, you know, my ancestors were so heroic. But, yeah, obviously not You're all. saying that Fabius Pictor is a nobody <laughs> and he just took that name when he published the book? No, 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 no. I mean, like, as in he would know the story of what his ancestors did and he might have helped to work it in or, oh. or at some point someone prominent in the Fabian clan, because they're obviously always fairly 
you know, patrician <laughs> and well-known. Yeah, yeah. Somewhere at some point in time, like, this bit of family history has been worked into, like, the official history of Rome as being... They got themselves in there and now they're wedged in there and we can't not deal with them. <laughs> well, the, the other really interesting thing to know, which I hadn't thought about before, apparently um, that, like, the, the wiping out of the Fabian clan, it becomes obviously, like, this dark day in, in Rome... Um, and it's also meant to foreshadow this big loss that Rome suffers in um, in the three, well, we think around 390, when they face off against the Gauls, like the, the famous sack of Rome that happens, um, you know, early in the next century. Um, and that it apparently could potentially be like an etiological sort of myth in a sense that, that the Fabii destroyed on the same day that the Romans lose this battle against the Gauls at the Alia. Okay, that's yeah. really interesting. Isn't it? Yeah. So, so I'm going to run some dates past you okay. now. Okay, okay. <laughs> don't, don't, don't dazzle me too much. <laughs> Only because I'm yes. interested in whether any of these dates line up with the sack that you're talking about. Okay. So we've got the date of the Battle of Crimera, which yeah. is now considered Nefas. So you can't... Exactly. You can't do, do business. business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and this is sort of a recognition of the loss, the loss of yeah. the Fabii yeah, and, yeah, the, yeah. and the, the nature I think, of I think, the I think that's what we mean when we say like a dark day. <laughs> the Romans like, public holiday. <laughs> Nobody do any business. I guess it's a little similar to Anzac Day, which, as recording this, we've just had. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. No, <laughs> I'd go down that path, but I feel like that's no, going no, no, into very yeah. dangerous territory. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so... This date of the Battle of Crimera is listed as a couple of different dates depending on the source. Yeah. Um, it's the 18th of July, according to Livy, Plutarch, and Tacitus. Yeah. So that all seems to tee up very nicely. Yeah. And then sticking out like a bit of a sore thumb, uh, the 13th of February um, is provided by Ovid. So Ovid yeah. doesn't acquit himself well here. It's like, why do you disagree with everybody, buddy? Yeah, I, I feel like I'd be more likely... I, I don't think I would trust Ovid <laughs> I mean, he's just writing so much, so much later. Um, oh, I mean, not well. I suppose, I suppose he's, what I mean, he's, about? he's not writing later than. Um, than I mean, he's than, writing around the same time as Livy, is, and yeah, Plutarch and yeah. Tacitus are coming even later. That's true. What am I talking about? But yeah. when you have three of them that agree, and one of them's Tacitus, and you're like, oh, that's what, yeah. Sorry. What I should say is, Ovid is not strictly speaking a historian. Not that that means. <laughs> You know, <laughs> a lot in terms of look at this poet trying to do a fasty. <laughs> I, I know, I know. I mean, like it's 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 silly. It's a silly distinction to make because we've just been talking about how much Livy and Dionysius are writing a story and a narrative and building up heroes and plot lines and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's it's a silly distinction to make, but at the end of the day, I kind of feel like. Oh, look, you know what? I'm being biased because I know what other stuff that Ovid writes. I know that he writes about like pickup manuals. <laughs> And sexy times. <laughs> so I'm being biased. <laughs> yeah, but, look, I yeah. mean, he's got a track record to deal with. Yeah, exactly, yeah. But, um, yeah, look, okay. that's just my personal point of view. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. I feel yeah. like we've, we've like, gone really tangential Yeah, now. sorry. Yeah, I really have. I've totally derailed you. Apologies. <laughs> no, no. I don't think you did. Right. We've done this together. Yeah. Um, okay, so back to the Fabii. The so, Fabii, yeah. yeah. So that narrative that Livy is providing about the... The, the distraction. People of Vey and the Tyrannians sort of providing these distractions. Yeah. It all sort of builds up. And so they keep doing this and drawing the Fabii further and further away yes. from the fortress. Precisely. And this yeah. allows them to sort of pick them off when yep. they decide to turn around and actually attack. Yeah, absolutely. And the Romans are not prepared for this. No. Um, the Fabii scatter 
and they're basically killed on the spot. And the ones who have been left holding the fortress, because there is a nominal force left behind, sure, yeah. they set out to try and provide aid. And they're like, this is a disaster. Yeah. We've got to leave the fortress. <laughs> Bad move. Not, not realising that's kind of what the fortress is for. Yeah. To keep you safe. Yeah. And, and before they can get like too far around that, um, the Tyranians surround them. Yeah. And everybody's basically cut to pieces. Yes. Yeah. That's very similar to how Livy paints it in the end. Basically, um, the, the Fabii see cattle at a distance and because they've been building up the confidence to, you know, go and go and get what they see and, you know, further and further away. They, they go after the cattle um, and then they see, like, some of the enemy troops, just like a few. And so they think, oh, we'll also pick those guys up while we're at it. Burgers and, <laughs> and killing. I see some great good. lettuce. This exactly. Yeah, delicious. So, and so they basically just don't pay attention to what else is happening around them. They don't pay attention to their surroundings. Mistake. And they run to see these things. And the um, the people, the forces of they surround them. They, I think it almost sounds um, in Livy's account like they're almost in like a, a bit of a bottleneck at some point. Well, some of them seem to end up retreating. The ones that survive all of this stuff that's happened so far do retreat, it seems, back to the fortress. Right, yeah. And then the Tyranians just start to pick them off with long-range attacks. Right, okay. Yeah, maybe that's what he's talking about. Because, yeah, it seems like, it seems almost in in, uh, in Livy's account like they end up going down a particular, like, a road where they can be picked off on either side because they haven't paid attention and it's very difficult to extricate yourself you know <laughs> yeah yeah Dionysius gives some like real color to this kind of thing as well oh I know he does <laughs> yeah the people are hacked to pieces men were bled white and overwhelmed by missiles yeah. their limbs paralyzed by reason of the multitude of their wounds oh. the Tyranians <laughs> scorned them and came to close quarters. No scorn. Yeah. yeah, I think that's retribution for yeah. the, the attack of the, the glamp. Yeah, um, exactly. And so, and the Romans sort of turned into wild beasts in an attempt to survive. Mm. And they body wrestle with the Tyranians where they can and try to grab the swords out of their hands. But it doesn't do any good. Um, yeah. They're pretty much destroyed. Yeah, that's pretty much exactly. That's, that's pretty much exactly what happens with Livy. That yeah, the more they try and sort of retreat or get into another position, the more the the, the um, forces of they can just, you know, they, they come out of nowhere, they keep multiplying, they, they can just keep picking them off. They, they've obviously got their strategy down in terms of what they're going to do to these people once they, you know, get a hold of them. And it's really interesting because we mentioned, I think, previously that there's this legendary number associated with this destruction, which is the 306 Fabio. So it's not a story of individual heroism like we have looked at before like with the Horatii and that sort of thing. See previous episode. <laughs> um, it, it, it is like this story of like the sacrifice of a whole family. But the 306 that we've talked about, that's probably, that's not everyone that would have been fighting with yeah, them. Yeah, it's a, yeah. yeah, Dionysius lists this number as well. It yes. seems to be like the canonical number of yeah. the Fabii lost. Yeah. And when he provides this detail, he's also like, this is really quite improbable that this is all of the Fabii. Yeah, exactly. And he's like, it's just not possible that all of the Fabii went out um, and yeah. that all the men were unmarried and childless. So yeah. the implication seems to be that the, the wives and children were probably still in Rome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Absolutely. Well, yeah, which makes which makes sense. Which makes sense. Yeah. Exactly. Why would you Why take, would take your kids? No, don't take your children to a fortress. We're all going on a summer holiday. Yeah, yeah. You need to see warfare up close, my young son. Yeah, it, and and to have also, I mean, in the Roman version of things, women around, you know, like particularly like patrician women, then it's not like they're cooking and gleaning for you. I mean, yes, okay, at this point in time, maybe they are, but. You they could would just, complain about you could that. You just <laughs> easily get slaves to do it. Like, what's, you know, you're patricians. Like, yeah. what are you doing? <laughs> it seems very unlikely that yeah. every single Fabii is in this fortress. Yeah. Of all ages. And even if this number, this 306, is referring to the men specifically. Yes. Surely yeah. they don't have the young boys there. No. Um, there are going to be some male children, at the very least, to carry on the Fabii line. Yeah, yeah. And look, Livy tries to salvage it because obviously he does like this family in this story. And so towards the end of his particular story, he talks about how there is like a little group um, left, you know, after the initial attacks and retreats and that kind of stuff. And they and they, he says that because they had managed to secure like some favorable ground, this little band actually might have been able to win and like fight off their attackers, if not for the fact that the Vaetians managed to send a little force around like this high ground that they had taken, um, and once again become superior in numbers and position. And this is where Livy says, so unfortunately the Fabii were cut off to a man. Their fort was captured, and the legend, according to Livy, is that only one single person, a youth, was left alive. And he is the one that passes on, you know, like, the genes. He's the one who who gets to run away and tell the tale and spread the seed. (laughs) And he's the reason why there are still Fabians around. That's Livy's version of things the one survivor the one survivor the one survivor the yeah. sole survivor yeah I thought when you were going to say that there was a little pocket holding out that like you know the thing that brought them down was the fact that they saw a cow off in the yeah. distance they're like yes we can eat no we never did get those burgers <laughs> I'm still hungry no no I, I think it's just that in Livy's account I feel like he's trying to say like because He's been building it up before as the Fabii are amazing, one family managing to defeat an entire city. Like he's said that kind of stuff before, and so I think he's trying to he's trying to salvage something from this. the blow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I um, love these guys. One survives. Yeah. But the number I find really interesting because it has been raised by other historians that this is a little bit of um, massaging. <laughs> of, the, of the historical narrative and that this is somehow meant to sound similar to the famous stand of the 300 Spartans at Thermopylae. Um, well, that's quite curious, but why not just call it the 300 Fabii? Well, precisely. Where does the other yeah. six come from? I agree. I don't <laughs> think it fits that particular thing. Like It happens sometimes where they do try and alter the numbers a little bit so that it recalls other famous events you know and like as we talked about before numbers are notoriously unreliable but 306 is so precise why not just say 300 yeah and i think that's i think that's what speaks in its favor really because most of the time when they're quoting numbers they just give you a general figure like there were ten thousand men you're like wow that's a lot of men yeah exactly Uh, like how many were was it really and the the fact that it's 306 and i was like why not 303 or 301 absolutely now i have so many questions i think i think it's because of like there are certain similarities and like obviously the number is similar but it's also the fact that you meant to have, I mean, you know, the 300 Spartans, it wasn't just 300 Spartans either, as we know. <laughs> they were also packed up by other people. Picks uh, jar off the yeah, table. Yeah, you know. The Thebans, <laughs> sorry, the Thebans and the Thespians, like, we know that there were other other people there. 
but it's the 300 Spartans that are, you know, remembered. They were meant to be defending, you know, a narrow pass. They are betrayed. Like, they don't lose. They, they stand their ground to the end, you know, and there's one survivor to tell the story. And, you know, that like, there are similarities. I can see the similarities. Uh, and it is obviously a similar heroic table. I agree. Um, I agree that it's not... It doesn't seem to be a straight transfer. Like, and it might just be that there are similarities. I mean, hello, military tactics would say that the easiest way to defeat a force is to get them stuck in like some sort of narrow and then class them and then to pick pieces. them off. Yeah, yes. exactly. So <laughs> it's probably just that that's just smart military strategy. But I just thought it was interesting to note. It's definitely curious, yeah. and I suppose I'd want to give more credit to it if somebody like Dionysius had made the parallel more explicit. Being sure. like, you know, this is like that time. And, like, make it something that a Greek reader can hold on to. Because yes. he does this all the time with dates and stuff. Well, yeah, Dionysius you know. is kind of the person you'd expect to make that link. Being a Greek source, hmm. unlike Livy, you would think he'd have more interest in saying, you know, this puts me in mind of a famous episode from Greek history. <laughs> that reminds <laughs> me. Yeah. yeah, it's like, surely you'll recall. Um, yeah. But he doesn't, and I, I find that curious as well. Yeah. Um, so when, after this moment of this devastating loss of yeah. what appears to be almost the entire Gens mm. of the Fabii, yeah. um, we're left with a bit of a difficult situation for Menenius, the Ooh, yeah. consul, Indeed, who yeah. is supposed to be heading north with an army in support. And doesn't get there. Oh, okay. What does Menenius do? Does he have a story about a body and like arms and legs? <laughs> he talks a lot about his stomach. Yeah. No, he talks about how hungry he is. Yeah. See that cow over those cows, there? Those cows. Yeah. Lebs, I want you to get it for me. Yeah. You're the limbs here. Um, no, but it. Dionysius does position him as a relatively weak character. Yeah, I, I get... Look, Livy as usual does not provide me with a lot of detail but it's not good <laughs> what he does say is not good so i'll let you i'll let you tell me the more detailed version but it seems to me that menenius encounters the um the northern forces the etrurians or whatever you want to call them um who are of course on a total high because they've just cut the fabians to pieces um and that he loses and, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah yeah and that because he loses, these people get freaking close to Rome. Like they start, Ooh. yeah, they start. Yeah, to, yeah, start. yeah. I won't get too far ahead of myself, but <laughs> that's kind of where I'm, that I'm is, heading. Yeah, yeah. This is all on the cards okay. in Dionysius as well. Yeah. So he sort of uh, suggests that Menenius has taken the slow road uh, to get uh, to the north. I see. Because he's see. jealous. I'm winking at Dr. G. You can't see me, guys, but I am. (laughs) A bit jealous of the Fabii and their reputation for valor. Mm. So he's going to take his time getting there. But he's from the, you know, the Fable family, the ones that tell the story. (laughs) Yeah, but he hasn't, that doesn't mean he's not a rival. You know, patrician families are trying to outdo each other (laughs) here. And he's like, you know, I'm just going to take my sweet time heading north, not realizing, like, the devastation that is taking place. And and that if he had hurried... And maybe, or even gone at normal pace, he could have helped out and uh, support. But would it, Doctor G? Would it? I mean, the cows. <laughs> I don't know yeah. the cows. <laughs> Damn you, cows! Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but he, when he gets there, yeah, um, it's pretty clear what has happened, and yeah. it's devastating. Yeah. And the Tyranians now have the fortified upper 
position. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, in, yeah. In the yeah. foothills. Yeah, they captured so, the fortress. <laughs> yeah, so this is a bit of an issue. Yeah. And he doesn't, he's not able to choose the time or the place of combat for mm, engagement. Never good. a good sign. Good. A Roman general no. always likes to choose. Indeed. Even worse, Dionysius suggests that he scorns all of the advice that the other generals who have come along, the subordinate generals, are giving him about how to go about this. See? Hubris. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so, not on the back of this, like, devastating loss yeah. and, and the, la- the like, low morale that's at play here, Menenius yeah. is taking the hard line, being like, I'm doing it my way and you're all going to do it with me. And Regrets. Like, I have a few. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy, did yeah. that go badly. Yeah. The Tyrrhenians come down from their fortified no, great position. Their numbers are twice as large as the Roman forces. Yep. There is a great slaughter of Romans. Okay. The Romans are unable to hold rank and position. Yeah. Most of the prominent centurions are killed. <sighs> the rest of the Romans give way. And the Romans are chased, and then they're slightly besieged in their camp. They run slightly back. besieged. Yeah, because they run back to one of their previous camps. Right. Um, they're besieged at their camp. Yeah. Uh, the Tyrrhenians then capture that camp. Right. The Romans have to run away again. <laughs> run away! Run away! <laughs> run away. <laughs> um, they keep running. Boy, do they keep running. They run so far. And when you say they get close to Rome, boy, do they get close to Rome. They run all the way back to... The geniculum? The geniculum. Yeah, I thought you were going to say that. Yeah. (laughs) And so if you've been to Rome, please just go there. But if you haven't been, so the geniculum is this hill, which is on the west side of the Tiber. So most of Rome proper is on the east side of the river. But when you're on the geniculum, you've got this great view down to everything to do with the city. Yeah, and it's now like part of the city pretty much it is now yeah, part of the yeah. city it's just like sort of like uh, on the top of Trester Everett yeah, yeah yeah and so yeah. like we're talking like literally very close to things like you can walk very easily yeah, yeah. <laughs> from the geniculum into the city just give you an idea of the scale <laughs> oh yeah we're very yeah. close yeah and the Tyrrhenians are like hello we are so so close oh god <laughs> <laughs> the Romans are all in confusion they're very frustrated. They don't know what they're doing. Yeah, and this is this is where we come back to where I started from, basically, where Livy is talking in my account about how, you know, not only are they dealing with war and conflict, but, you know, they're hungry, I think. Everybody's yeah. hungry. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Except maybe the Tyrrhenians. Well, they yeah. seem to be doing all right. Yeah, they've but got all those cows. Rome has yeah. been in a cycle of almost continuous warfare for I don't know how long. I'm tired and yeah. we've just been talking about it. When uh, do we get to talk about fashion and <laughs> culture? When? When? <laughs> Come on, source material, yeah. help me out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. When is Rome going to have its pop star convention? Yeah. <laughs> um, Never. <laughs> the MTV Awards. <laughs> yeah. yeah, look. So, I mean, we're in some dark times and Rome's been in them for a while, but this is particularly bad. So the people in the city can see the enemy forces um, on the geniculum. That's not good. Yeah, Yeah, not good at all. Um, And they're all like, ah, we've got to prepare. I think they're they're girding their loins in my account and expecting to be basically under siege. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, and yeah. the Tyrrhenians start to take their time at this point. Uh, yeah, no, uh, it is a, yeah, this is where the tables start to yeah. turn. <laughs> Wait for it. So the Tyrrhenians feeling quite confident that they could take Rome anytime they like. Yeah, and they're like, look at those guys; they're very concerned. <laughs> um, they fall into their old habits of enjoying a little bit too much glamour <laughs> and fashion. <laughs> 
glamping. <laughs> yeah. And they start to like, let's just do some raids for the nice stuff in the in the surrounding area. Yeah, foolish, foolish. Let's people. just collect some booty. You know, like I <laughs> Shake, shake, shake. Shake, shake, shake. Shake your booty. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, let's collect treasure. Yeah. And so they spend a lot of time collecting treasure. Mm. The Romans are like, wait a minute, they're collecting treasure and not attacking us. Mobilize. <laughs> And Dionysius describes this as the Tyranians depriving themselves of the great opportunity for boasting. For, of, for boasting. Yeah, because they, they they lose the opportunity to boast of taking Rome. Oh, okay, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because they don't move swiftly. They get distracted by shiny things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, classic mistake. <laughs> classic Tyranian mistake. This is why the Romans are so austere. <laughs> Yes, so you can make these mistakes. You can see how the stereotypes are feeding very much into this narrative. Very much. Those northerners, they like treasure. You gotta love a bit of ethnic stereotyping. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Romans, on the other hand, scorn treasure. Yeah. And only take it so they can give it to the gods. (laughs) That's right. Uh, And to also fund more armies. Yeah, exactly. Melt it down. Melt it all down. Yeah, and it's at this point that Horatius, our other, our second consul, who'd been heading towards the Volsci guy. He gets um, recalled? Yeah, he's heard the message and turns around and comes back and you're like wait a minute the city nice move <laughs> <laughs> he appears yeah um and they take the field together nice um yeah look it's it's a difficult time and it sort of ends um dionysius ends this year as sort of like you know there there is this sort of um a clash about to take place and the Romans romans think they're safe and take the field and they fight and everything, and they overcome the Tyrannians mm, yes. in this last little moment, drive them back. Yeah, this is and, my, 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 my viewpoint as well. Yeah, get them up against one of the gates, and uh, the Tyrannians decide to uh, recover north. Yeah, this is, this is basically uh, what Livy gives me as well. He says that there's um, an initial engagement near the Temple of Hope, which I kind of feel like is meant to be symbolic. <laughs> Ah, yes, yes. Uh, yeah, and he says nothing massive happens, but, like, obviously the Romans aren't giving way, which is kind of the crucial thing to do when you've got the enemy at the gate. And then they have a second engagement at the Colline Gate. And this is where the Romans... He, he, does, he doesn't play it up for once. He's not like, the Romans carry all before them. He does say, look, the Romans just secure a little bit of an advantage, Enough so that their morale is restored. And this, I think, seems to be, you know, for Livy, the turning point. And I guess that's what makes the, the, other, the other side go, hmm. I think it's time to go home without <laughs> yeah. treasure. You know what? I'm tired. And there are still those cows. <laughs> Let's get <give> back. <laughs> Burgers on the house tonight. <laughs> yeah, it's all yeah. very strange. Like, yeah. And so clearly the focus of this narrative in this year is definitely the loss of the Fabii. Yes. Yeah. You know, that's the central point. It's the big point. tragedy, yeah. yeah. And even though the Tyrrhenians get as far as Rome itself, yeah. they manage to be pushed back. And so it's less of a, a victory. And it's more of a saving of the city in dire circumstances, but it's not really yeah. a, a great moment for Rome because no. the, ro- the enemy has come far too No, close. I mean, I've honestly been waiting for this episode for a while just because it, it is such an iconic, you know, story. Like the, the Fabians being cut to pieces and the, the whole family being wiped out. Um, That's the end <laughs> until the next one comes along. Exactly. <laughs> until the children grow up and... Get married and have family. All of a sudden. But until then, no babies. 
<laughs> just none. Just none. Forget the women. Yeah, none. They're not Fabians. No. We're not going to count them at no, all. No. They're all gone. Forget it. All of them. Forget it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. Okay, well, that is, that's probably a good place to pause for today, perhaps, <laughs> I think, with the, uh, the, rather, the rather sad, but still, like, the glimmer of hope. The tragedy um, of yeah. the loss of the Fabii. They yeah. shone brightly for a good, like, almost ten years there. Shone bright like a diamond. Very, very musical today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I even tried to sing, which is definitely I, not I my skill. I think that's what's getting me up. I'm like, yeah, let's do this. <laughs> All right, well, Dr. G, I think that means that it is time for... Ooh, the partial pick, and I've been disorganized today, and I don't have my sound. <laughs> oh, but you know, I can put in the sound later. Excellent. Okay, okay. Yeah, cool, cool. Yeah. Nice. All right, so what is our first category off the Ooh, bat? Ooh, the partial pick. Yeah. Out of 10 eagles for military clout. Ah, uh, military clout. Mm. Well, I feel like this is not good. I mean, it's not... <laughs> Not as it could have been. <laughs> like, there was the redemption at the end, yeah. but that's still a loss in yeah. many respects. I'm I, giving them maybe one. I was going to say, I feel like it has to be one, like because basically they just haven't been annihilated. Well, and when you lose a whole Gens, like, come yeah. on, Rome. Well, I mean, and the fact is, like, if, if they hadn't managed to pull it together at the very last minute, like... This story would have been very different. We probably would have been telling the story of the history of the Vatian Empire or whatever. Like, this is a moment. This yeah. is a moment. This, this is, is a, a moment. Big yeah, moment. so it has to be one. <laughs> Definitely one. <laughs> ah, okay, cool. The next category is diplomacy. Ah, also bad. <laughs> well, I mean, like, I, I suppose it's only bad because we're not really seeing. I don't think they did any. No, so no, exactly. Like, yeah, that's yeah. no eagles. To be fair, neither did the people of they. <laughs> <laughs> Did the Tyranians help? They certainly did not. No, okay, so we're on one. Yeah. <laughs> Expansion. Oh, oh no, no, no. no. <laughs> That's going to be a zero as well. Oh, yeah. this could be the lowest score <laughs> this ever. This be. Well, you know, I I think that's how the Romans would have wanted it. <laughs> yeah. Weirtus. Mm. Yeah, look, I'm not seeing a lot of Weirtus. I mean, no. Menenius doesn't come out very well in this narrative. No, I mean... <sighs> We don't, we don't even have any standout Fabii who make no. it as individuals no. in this narrative destruction. Like, you know, the valiant fort no, so-and-so. E- even my sole survivor in Livy. Like, it's clear- unnamed. Well, unnamed. It's clearly just the fact that he's meant to be, obviously, I would say, by our standards, a teenager. And I'd say that it, you know, it was meant to be one of those things where they're like, you, go home. Tell, what, tell them what has happened to you. <laughs> Run, young Preserve sire. our story. Um... And that's it. It's nothing. Yeah, there's no heroic exploits. He, I think he just runs. And that's and he has to be young because yeah. they take the the toga of manhood at around about fourteen, fifteen. Well, the thing. He so it's going to be says, like maybe twelve. He says a youth. Yeah. So you know, it's, so young. Yeah. He should never have been in that fortress. He's going to be traumatized. <laughs> well, but then on the other hand, you know, he gets to I presumably have a lot of sex because he the needs. Fabian. He needs to spread the seed. Okay. Yeah. So Ooh. I think zero. I don't know. Like <laughs> I think. Zero. I mean, yeah. to be fair, and this is something I didn't raise earlier, Dr. G, but definitely when you get to someone like Ovid, he's definitely playing up the whole evil vey, you know, evil vey and there's treacherous tactics. And, you know, he's trying his best because he seems to have been friends with one of the Fabian clan of his own. Classic. Day. Classic room. <laughs> <laughs> um, historiography. Um, so, yeah, there, I suppose there is like an element of like heroic tragedy but I don't know if that counts as Virtus 
Yeah. No, I don't think so. No, okay. Nah. I did my best for you. I did my best for you, Fabians. <laughs> Not buying it. No, no. Um, okay, so that's nothing. And the citizen score. Well, I think it's pretty poor. <laughs> I think it's pretty poor. I think the citizens are freaking starving. Regardless of whether you're in an army that's been pushed north or pushed south and then had to turn around to save your own city, or whether you're somebody who happens to be in Rome has just been screaming, being like, ah, yeah. I can see the enemy. Well, yeah, and also on top of that, lack of grain. Yeah, like yeah. the lack of grain right now. I think it's freaking Palpable. nothing. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Do we want to give them one because the city isn't taken? <laughs> or is that... I, don't, but I feel it's pretty bad. Yeah, look, I, I feel like there would have to be some reason, to, a positive reason for being a citizen right now, and I'm really not seeing one for them. I, I feel like it's unjustified. Wow. So that gives us a grand total <laughs> oh, but- of one out of 50 golden eagles. Oh, the glory of Rome. Oh, Rome. <laughs> yeah. The shame of it all. But you know what? I knew that this was going to be like that. Like, uh-huh. I knew that that's, that's how this episode was going to be. Because, I mean, how, how can you spin the loss of an entire Gens? You just can't. Yeah, you can't yeah. spin that very well. So, Rome, I feel like it's only up from here. <laughs> <laughs> Next time, let's go for five. Yeah. <laughs> let's just get over Let's just get over the five. That would be great. All right, well, tune in next time and see if Rome can redeem itself in any way. Until next time.